Welcome to BC The Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Erica. And I'm Allison. And before we start, please be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts or stream us on Spotify. And if you're enjoying Because The Beatles, feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. You can also email us about anything at all at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. And we're back, and it's going to be a freaking great episode today. Oh, I'm so excited about this episode. This is one we've wanted to do for a long time. A long time, yes. With our good friend, Caitlin Larkin. Yay! She has gone from TikToker and YouTuber to host of a Sirius XM daily show. Amazing. We're so happy for her. We're so excited to have her back on the show. She is a repeat offender here at BC The Beatles, which Lucky is her. our favorite kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucky her. Uh, and before we get to Caitlin, we just wanted to chat about a few things. Um, hot off the presses, newsflash here. Ringo's tour is postponed. Boo. Yeah. Thanks to COVID. Boo COVID. We hate you crazy i was just seeing people posting who had seen him at the beacon in new york and thank goodness whoever got to see him hey you know that was kind of like your last chance until september now because both edgar winter and steve lukather have covid yes ringo does (sighs) not have covid just not to alarm anybody about covid ringo's fine as far as we know yeah as far as we know he's good to go but we wish uh ringo's band those two especially good health quick recovery hopefully they can get back to rocking in september the rest of the june dates have been moved to then and uh, the tours so far are scheduled to resume on september 23rd in bridgeport connecticut so hopefully everything goes well and uh they can all enjoy a little bit of time off because ringo's tour was pretty out of control like there were a lot of dates it's easy to get worn down when you're on the road that often so hopefully they can recover and everything will go great in september and, uh, you know, Pulse Tour is wrapping up here as we're recording this. Two more dates as of now. So we hope that there will be many more to come. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Paul. Like, add some more dates. That would be amazing. That would be a great, great end of summer surprise. The U.S. would be great, but I'm sure that our Beatles friends in other countries are just dying to have a little Paul, too. Absolutely. They are totally... Now, since we're talking to Caitlin, I've been spending a lot of time, a lot more time than usual, listening to the Sirius XM Beatles channel. And one thing that they were doing kind of collided with something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago in that they did a poll and asked their listeners to rate their favorite Beatles songs. And over Memorial Day weekend, they played the top 100 according to Beatles channel listeners. And there is a Spotify playlist that exists. So even though Memorial Day weekend is over, you can see it. I think it's what you'd expect in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Hey Jude was number one, followed by Here Comes the Sun, Penny Lane, The End of Abbey Road, The Medley, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, In My Life, Day in the Life, Yesterday, Let It Be, and in the number 10 spot, Something, followed by another 90 that you can all peruse at your leisure. And now that made me think about the ultimate Beatles song sorter that Allison found a couple of weeks ago and that we had done. And just how different our top 100 or top Beatles songs altogether differed not only from the Sirius XM playlist, but from each other. Big way. Yeah. Yeah, very different. Erica, I'm noticing yours. So first of all, 
what are your top five? Top five are kind of what I would expect. Two of Us, Mother Nature's Son, Maxwell's Silver Hammer, kind of a dark horse, followed by Martha, My Dear, and Dear Prudence. How about yours? So interesting. So mine are number one, and mine were kind of what I expected. Um, Number one, Andy Bird can sing, which has been my favorite Beatles song for a long time. Uh, Number two, Bad Boy from Past Masters. Three is We Can Work It Out. Four, Rain. And five, I Need You. And that all kind of tracks, I think, for my Beatles fandom, because I'm sort of in that pocket. I really love that pocket of the Beatles. You're real big into that, that 65, 66, almost transition period, like between yes. Health and Tomorrow Never Knows. Absolutely. Yeah, my favorite Beatles album is Revolver. So that kind of says it all. And your your list is like much later than I expected, I think. Yeah, it all falls a little later than I expected, too. I, I do have a couple... If you go down to top 10, top 20 that are a little bit earlier, like If I Fell is on my list. I don't know. Did we count one after 909 as early or late? I'm not sure. That's a hard one. (sighs) I know. What what do you like better? They're like earlier rendition anthology stuff or do you like the later, like Let It Be one after 909? Mm, I think I like the later one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> what is interesting, Erica, 17 on your list, I see free as a bird. Interesting. Yeah, I really like that song. And I think that it's interesting. And, and I, I want to know how you kind of chose because it, it was always a battle between two songs and this app kind of sorts as it goes along. So it, you know, you keep seeing the same songs pitted up against other songs so that it can rank everything in a linear way. I was thinking about it mostly in between these two songs, which one would I find more enjoyable if I came across it on a playlist? And I like Free as a Bird. I mean, I think it just, it's nice. It came out at a time when I was alive and into the Beatles. And so I Mm -hmm. think too, it's got one of those, you know, it's got an association for me above and beyond many of the other Beatles tracks. I could see that. That makes sense. Um, I think it's also number 25 on your list. And I'm not trying to like grill you here, but I'm so curious. Because I don't even remember this one coming up on mine, but you have the Come and Get It demo. I assume Paul's demo of that. I'm surprised it ranks so high for you. I mean, not surprising because it's a great song, but, you know, I think everybody else is more familiar with the Badfinger version, probably. Yeah, I'm not sure why it ended up that high. That's kind of an anomaly. I've always liked that song. I don't know if you remember before we had like the Beatles channel and, you know, even Spotify, there were a lot of internet Beatles radio stations, mm-hmm, let's say like 2005, 2006. And there was one that I always really liked called Macca Radio. And they used this song as like one of their like ad promos that they would put in there. And I didn't even know it. At all. And I thought it was like a Paul McCartney solo song at the time. Wow. It was like one of those things that was like a new, it became a new song for me in a way because I hadn't heard it before. So I think I just like it because, again, it's got kind of an association outside of hearing it in the context of the album that it was on. That makes sense. Yeah. And looking at your list, and I'm looking more at the bottom. Uh oh. My favorite part is is the bottom. So my number two is actually your number 195. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I mean, there's a lot of controversial choices, I think, at the bottom of my list. Perhaps my second to last might be the most controversial. Um, Yesterday. But truly, 
Yesterday. Yeah. Fucking hate that song. And the only thing below yesterday on my list is Revolution Number no. 9, which is pretty low on yours, too, which I think is the spot for it, you know, towards the bottom. It's low. It's got to be low. Um, yeah, you know, but absolutely. I, I, I understand the whole yesterday thing. I do. Hey, Jude is quite low on my list as well. Yeah, and that was number one on the serious list. I mean, the serious list is very, uh, I mean, it's kind of what you expect. Like you said, your number one, which is two of us, is pretty near my number one. You know, they made both made top 30, so that was cool. That kind of matched up. But yeah, I mean, yesterday was obviously ranked higher on their list, made top 10. Yeah, we didn't, uh, I, we didn't I can't, do that. Uh, I can't abide that, <laughs> but whatever. We both think birthday bites the big one. Sucks. I yep. hate when Paul does it live. I hate it Ugh. too. I hate it so much. I never, ever want to hear that song again as long as I live. It's like out of every, I mean, we bitched about, we well, bitch is a strong word, but we did do a little bitching and a little observing of Paul's tour set list. And I just don't get it of all his discography, why he chooses birthday. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> you know, don't it's know not my birthday too. So shut up. It's just not. <laughs> it's just never my birthday, too. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, we have some pretty opposite ones. Like some of my top includes Martha, my dear, and Dear Prudence, which are very at the bottom, close to 200s for you. Yeah, you know, I just, the late Beatles, I think I liked more of the late Beatles when I was a little bit younger, maybe my late teens, early 20s. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm. I think music in general, I kind of fall into the niche of the mid sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably the, I would go early rather than later after the mid. So this all looks right to me. I got a lot of like, yeah, the earlier stuff. I mean, I want to hold your hand for me. It's really high in the top 40. Two of us for me falls in the top 40. Yeah. So we've got that. You think some of these songs have gotten a bit of a bump thanks to the Giles Martin remixes over the past couple of years maybe it's possible i mean for me i don't know like i uh you know you talk about your association with like free as a bird like remembering when that came out and all that kind of thing so it's like i think for a lot of songs and maybe this is in general for everybody it's sort of like your impression of the song is formed when you hear it or when you hear it repeatedly etc so it's like maybe a lot of the stuff i still feel the same way about these songs i did when i first heard them you know like 20 or 30 years ago it was mm-hmm. 30 years ago. Nope, nope. That's too, I, I'm not that old. <laughs> 22 years ago was when I became a Beatles fan. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll go there. I think the most interesting song on your list is your number two, which is Bad Boy. Yes. Well, I love the Past Masters. Those, uh, when they came out, or rather when I got them, because I don't think I was a fan yet when they came out, um, they were really, really precious to me. You know, um, for those of you not familiar, they're sort of a collection of not outtakes, but maybe things that weren't issued on albums, like some singles were on those, um, some alternate takes, that kind of thing. And there was like the compilation albums, the red and the blue, there was the black cover and the white cover and those two volumes. And I just loved the hell out of those things. I would play the black cover one, which is the earlier one, I think that was volume one, uh, just repeatedly. And Bad Boy was like such a standout on that. So yeah, I love Bad Boy. And I, I noticed I was like doing the song sort of, I'm like, oh, gotta choose Bad Boy over like mm. so much shit. <laughs> it's always mm-hmm. gonna be Bad Boy for me. And then of course, you get down to the end of the song sort of, right? And it's like, your favorites are battling each other. And it's so hard. It's agonizing. It's so hard. I found your least favorites also 
really hard to do. Like if it pitted mm, yeah. like Wild Honey Pie against Revolution Nine, I'm like, I don't know. Like I hate them both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so hard. And you know, there is an option when you do the song sort of to skip. But I was like, nah, I'm not gonna skip anything. I'm gonna like make myself like make the choice between two songs because that's that's how you know you're supposed to do it, I guess. You know, just do the hard work, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, me too. There was also the option of tie, which is like not gonna use tie. Oh, yeah. Not gonna use that. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I was like, it's gotta be a choice every time. We put the link in our show notes a couple of weeks ago. We'll put it in again. If you are listening and you do the Great Beatles song Sorter, we'd love to see what your top 10 or top 20 are and how you feel about them. You know, find us on social media and and tag us. Love to see what you got. Yeah. And we'll post our own song sorters in our uh, stories and uh, we'll share them on on social media as well. So you guys can take a look and you guys can roast us over (laughs) our... uh, Our order of things here, if you want to. Yeah. If, if, if birthday becomes your number one, I want to talk. Hit me up. Yeah, yeah. We need to have a little discussion yeah. offline about that. I mean, maybe it is your birthday, too. I don't know. <laughs> that know. would be the only way, I think, is if it's always your birthday, too. <laughs> well, maybe if your birthday is June 18th and you feel like Paul is singing it to you. Okay, great. So we've made up a hypothetical where it's okay to have birthday as your favorite song. Yes, but you have to be born on June 18th, preferably (laughs) June 18th of 1942. Yes. Okay, great. So any uh, almost 80 year olds out there listening, uh, you're allowed to have that as your favorite song. And by the way, happy birthday. It's coming up shortly. Coming up like a flower. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. So... (laughs) (laughs) On to our feature of the day, which, like we said at the top of the show, we are so excited to have our friend Caitlin Larkin on. Just a little bit about Caitlin. If you don't know, this comes from her bio from the Sirius XM page. Caitlin fell in love with the Fab Four at age five by watching films about the band and intently listening to Beatles mixtapes at home and on family road trips. She first turned her Beatlemania into a paying job by serving as memorabilia tour guide for the Hard Rock Cafe in Orlando, Florida, where she regaled visitors with stories behind rare Beatles memorabilia and introduced the John Lennon VIP room to visitors. Very cool. In 2020, she launched her TikTok channel, going viral with her first two hashtag Beetle Talk videos, creating engaging daily content. Caitlin shared on this day facts and showed off her personal collection. In order to catch the attention of Sirius XM, she would play a Beatles song and add her own vibrant commentary. Her videos went viral and Sirius XM and the Beatles Apple Corps took notice. On the ninth day of Larkin's hashtag Beatle Talk content, SiriusXM invited her to be a guest on the Beatles show, The Fab Forum. Caitlin also hosted an edition of the Beatles channel's My Fab Four, during which she shared her song picks, It's All Too Much, Eight Days a Week, and I Love Her, and It's Only Love. Now, we should have talked about this with Caitlin because I noticed And I Love Her, Allison, is like almost at your bottom. Yes, I was just thinking that, Erica, as you were uh, reading that last sentence. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I love her falls at number 206 out of 211 on my wow. Beatles song sorter list. Sorry, Caitlin. Um, we can talk about this later if you want, if you want to scold me. <laughs> so far down my list. Yes, that's so interesting. I want to know more about it, too, actually, why you hate it so much. I just uh, I think it's slow and 
uh, and tiresome, maybe a little bit. Whenever Beatles tribute bands play it live, I'm always like, ugh. It's so slow. It just like drags the whole show down. Anyway. That's as good a reason if any to hate something. Paul Ramone might disagree, but you can take it up with him. Oh, whatever. Paul Ramone. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, without further ado, here's our talk with the fabulous Caitlin Larkin. again with Caitlin Larkin and so happy to have you on our show. This is uh, you are a returning guest. Uh, You were on our show two years ago actually, two years ago this month for our 2020 Pride episode so happy Pride all over again and welcome. Thank you so much. Happy Pride and I am so happy to be back. I mean, I I love you guys so much and so much has happened in the last two years. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, last time we talked to you, you were a successful YouTuber, but now you are the host of a daily radio show on weekdays on the Beatles channel. Yeah, isn't that insane? (laughs) So exciting. So let's go back way, way back a little bit first. How did you become a Beatles fan? I always like to ask our next gen folks about that. Yeah, so I'm a second generation Beatles fan. My parents are to blame. And Mm -hmm. The great thing is, is it's literally because of the Beatles that I am born. One of my favorite stories to tell is that when my parents met for the first time, that was back in uh, New York in 1975 on my dad's 20th birthday, uh, his friends took him out to a bar and my mom was there. So he got, you know, some liquid courage in him, decides to walk over and shoot his shot And he goes, you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Can I take you out on Saturday? And she says, no. And he goes, why? Because I don't know you. And he's like, well, if you knew me, would you go out with me? And she says, no. So as soon as my dad turns around, walks away, something in his brain makes him turn around and go, I bet you don't even like the Beatles. And my mom goes, of course I do. And that's it. (laughs) Because of that, my dad got that date and uh, my brother and I exist. So I've always felt that they're a huge part of me because they are literally the reason that I'm here on this earth. Well, I guess nobody epitomizes the phrase because the Beatles more than you do. You should be the host on because the Beatles. I'm kidding me. I, I would be honored. (laughs) um yeah i mean thank god your dad wasn't like i bet you don't like the rolling stones you know that could have gone completely differently (laughs) oh man that would suck yes for so many reasons (laughs) for so many reasons (laughs) well that's so cool and so you and your brother grew up in long island which i know because we actually have one shared friend i think which is so random yeah isn't that so funny like a normie friend like a wow One of my brother's best friends is friends with Caitlin. I guess you went to school together before. Yeah, we went to elementary school together. What? That's so crazy. Yeah. It's so random. Yeah. It's meant to be. We're meant to be besties. Absolutely. Which I'm so happy about. Well, Caitlin, I think I met your brother before I met you because I met him at a fest like 10 years ago. Well, 2014, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That was when I forced him to go to the Beatles Are Coming event. 
because he was still living in New York at the time. And oh God, he's just the best big brother in the world. Like what older brother would be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. You're stupid. You know, just because you're in Florida and you can't be here. I'm not doing that. No, he literally like went to an event just because I told him to. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Yeah, I was at that event. That was really fun that day. And speaking of events, the two of you actually saw each other IRL recently, oh, right? My yes, God. we did. Yes, it was so exciting. I was like, I couldn't wait the whole day. I was on pins and needles. We met at the opening party, I guess, reception dedication thing for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's Get Back to Let It Be exhibit, which is on the summer. And we'll talk more about that on the podcast in a future episode. But yeah, Caitlin, you were there doing some really cool stuff. Oh my God. It, what a whirlwind of a day. I was literally there just for- It was for, like hours long, but you like yeah. crammed in like weeks worth of work. I'm pretty yeah, sure. It, it was nuts in the best way possible, but I suffer from like major anxiety. <laughs> so uh, doing all of that in such- Yeah, <laughs> doing all of that in such a crammed amount of time, like literally had me on edge the entire time. But it was fantastic. It was such a great experience. Experience and um, to now say that, oh, I kind of work for the Beatles. <laughs> they flew me out to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to go to the media event for their new exhibit. They had me go on the volume channel to be interviewed by Alan Light and Mark Goodman, these legends in the music journalist world. And I got to sit down with Glenn Johns all in one day. Oh, my God. It was it was unbelievable. And you have the photos and the video to prove it. And the yes, video I just do. went live. Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of walk through the exhibit. Yeah. So they're going to be making a bunch of little clips like that to post all over social media. And that was just the first little batch that they gave to me this week. And I can't wait to see more. But yeah, it was just unbelievable. I got to go to the Rock Hall before it opened to the public. So we had to be there at 630 in the morning. And the worst part was, is that my flight from Orlando to Cleveland kept getting delayed. And so I was originally oh. supposed to be there at like seven o'clock at night the day before. But my wife and I didn't end up getting there till like after midnight. So I had to get up at 4 a.m. to get into hair and makeup which big shout out to the best wife in the entire world, my Angela. <laughs> She's Aww. a professional makeup artist and she made me look fantastic. And I'm so blessed that I got to bring her with me because there was no way in hell that I was going to be on camera and not have my makeup <laughs> done. That was not happening. <laughs> shout out to Angela, especially because she tried to help me fix my fake eyelash that was falling right. off. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not have the lash glue, but God bless her. She tried anyway. <laughs> she tried. I've seen her on social media and she's got it going on. So you've got it covered in that area. Oh, yes, that's I for do. sure. I'm very lucky. <laughs> God, you guys have the sweetest relationship. I love Cooler it so much. couple does not exist. <laughs> Seriously. So just backtracking a little bit. Yeah. So as a second gen fan, like we all expressed our fandom kind of in a different way than first gen. We did a lot of websites and fanfics and podcasts and all of this stuff. So what was your entry into the world of Beatles fandom communication, as it were? So just getting into the Beatles in general started at the age of two. I mean, I just always remember having the music on, but I honestly got into them because of the movies. And of course, every 
young child gets introduced to the Beatles via Yellow Submarine. That was really my introduction. And then I have to thank my dad for this because most parents, I guess, would just be like, oh, you like Yellow Submarine? That's really cool. My dad was like, no, if you're going to watch this, then you need to see A Hard Day's Night. You need to see Help. You need to see every videotape, which included the complete Beatles pre-anthology. Oh, the complete Beatles <laughs> was the best. I love I that. I know, right? <laughs> and yeah, of on course, YouTube, by the way. Plus. It is, it is. <gasps> and you know, I need that, to rewatch that soon. It's so good. You know who else loves that? Rob Sheffield. We also geeked out over the complete Beatles. Yeah. He's, oh, he's a God. huge well, freak for it. Oh, that is so awesome. I want to meet that guy someday. Um and also the Imagine John Lennon documentary from 88. Yep, and yep. so, mm-hmm. so it, it didn't matter. It, I'm a very visual learner. So that's how I really started to compile all this random knowledge. And then I want to say 1997 was when our family got our first family computer. And that's when you're like, oh, all right, what can I find on here? And so the only website that I really, really remember, and of course it wasn't the Beatles official website. They didn't even have one yet at this point. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it was the Beatlesonline.com. I kind of do. It was around that time too, Caitlin, that I got a computer at home and I started making shitty fan sites. <laughs> a period of my life, which is very near and dear to my heart. I started with the monkeys and then I had a Beatles fan site. So I think I was like constantly combing for, you know, back then it was like the same three pictures that existed. Yeah. So for anything new and different. So that rings a bell for me. Yeah, I wish I could describe it better, but I really just only remember that web address But they had this part of their page where they had Beatles trivia and you would literally have to type in the answer. It wasn't like a multiple choice or anything like that. You know, that's how far back we are going here. And my parents had this Beatles quiz book. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Beatles quiz book. It has the uh, 1967 Sgt. Pepper photo shoot photo on the front. I have it somewhere in my closet. And so I would use that book to answer the questions on thebeatlesonline.com. And so I just started getting this wealth of random Beatles knowledge, so much so that by the time I was 10, I had gotten the nickname The Beetle Nut. And that was like my AOL handle. Actually, it still is, honestly. I still have that email address. For, I love it. You know, forever. And that's kind of how it happened through childhood. And in 96, I went to my first Beatle Fest. I begged my parents to let me go. Of course, you know, we all went as as a family and it was like the coolest experience ever. And that's kind of how I got the jumpstart into the community, I suppose. I love it that it was a family affair for you guys, too. Oh, yeah. Your parents and your brother must be so excited that. You're on Sirius every day. Oh, my God. It It's so funny, too. So I record the show here in my office at home. Technology is amazing. And when I do it, I honestly just feel like I'm doing this for my mother. Um, she and I are particularly close. And so every single day she texts me after every single voice break that I do. She goes, oh, that one was really good. Or um, Mm -hmm. 
You know, oh, I didn't know that before or random things here and there. So in my mind, I really think that I'm just doing this radio show for my mom and that all these people throughout the country, they're not listening. Why would they listen to me? Like, (laughs) who cares about what I have to say, you know? Well, as it turns out, a lot of people, but that's very (sighs) sweet. That's really, really, that's so nice. It's a good way, though, to like not be nervous and to just kind of be comfortable and casual, like to think no one's really hearing it. No, not, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with uh, Sirius XM subscriptions and their cards and stuff like that. No way. So before you were on the Beatles channel, you were a YouTuber and then you were a TikToker. Talk a little bit about your channels there and what you did and especially what you did to get the attention of the Beatles channel, because this is an amazing story. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I started YouTubing five years ago, and I can't believe it's only been such a short amount of time. And I was going through just looking at videos of people showing their collections. And as much as I hate to say it, but it's the God's honest truth. It's saturated with that typical older male market. Yep. And <laughs> shocking. I was just like, I have tons of great Beatles memorabilia in my collection. Why don't I just do that myself? Like, wouldn't that be cool to have a different perspective doing this? And also at this time, I had been to my mom's house and I never bought vinyl records because I always knew that someday that my parents' record collection would end up in my hands. So I was never interested in buying original Beatle records or other kinds of memorabilia because I knew that I was just going to get it all someday. And so I'm at my mom's house. I'm flipping through her records. And of course, hers were very much loved. And uh, Allison, you'll appreciate this. Like all of her monkeys records have, you know, like little hearts around them and, you know, drawings everywhere. It's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Those are my favorite (laughs) kinds, the kind that they have notes or they I bought this one record sidebar. Um, I'm a huge Love and Spoonful fan. And when I saw a copy of this like random greatest hits album that is not one of their like more well-known records, um at a record store and somebody had drawn like devil horns and like a little mustache on john sebastian and i'm like i gotta buy this like i love him more than life itself and this is the best thing i've ever seen so i do i own that (laughs) yeah no my mom did that with all of her monkeys records it's hysterical and i was just like well i want records that are in better shape nothing against you know my mom like that was her stuff when she was a young kid And so I chose the YouTube route to show me starting to collect records and 45s. And so I would, you know, get a bunch of records and show them on YouTube. And I started developing this little following. But then we fast forward to 2020. And I was over my friend Jessica's house right as restrictions kind of let up. And she was the first person I had seen in a really long time. And she's like, Caitlin, are are you on TikTok? And I'm like, what the hell is TikTok? And she's like, oh, it's kind of like Vine, but, you know, it's it's much cooler. You should create an account even just to watch videos. And I was like, "Okay, I'm into stuff like that. I have a short attention span. Why not? So, of course, I download TikTok and I am instantly addicted and I can't put it down. I'm just scrolling through videos for hours and hours on end. And I noticed 
as I was scrolling that there wasn't very much Beatles related content. And I was just like, okay, maybe this is something that I could do. And so I started posting Beatles related videos and it instantly went viral. And I couldn't believe it. Like I had been on YouTube at this point for almost four years and it took me forever even just to get to a thousand subscribers on my page. And that happened within just a few days of being on TikTok. And I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. So I started doing on this day in Beatles history videos where I would share what happened on that day. And I'd put, you know, the green screen filter behind me and put pictures in the back. And I got thousands and thousands and thousands of followers and even more likes on TikTok. And people started reaching out to me like Capitol Records was sending me Paul McCartney merchandise in the mail. And it was just like, wait, excuse me? (laughs) For why? (laughs) So it had been about a year of doing the On This Day in Beatles videos. And I was like, do I just keep doing it over and over and over again? And I was like, I don't want to. That's personally, for me, that's boring. I know that if I kept on doing it, it would have reached more people, like new people, and I would have gotten more subscribers, but it just wasn't fulfilling to me. And so I had come across someone else doing a video of dancing every single day to a Lizzo song until, you know, she would comment on the video. And I was like, that's really clever. What can I do that's like similar, but Beatles related? And uh, And I dabble in the radio industry Um, here locally in Orlando. I do commercials and traffic and weather reports and such like that. And at this point, Oops, the Beatles so weren't on TikTok yet. Us. And I was like, okay, so I can't really get the attention of anybody at the Beatles. But wait, I think Sirius XM has a TikTok. And it just clicked for me. I was like, I'll make fake radio breaks every single day until I get the attention of the Beatles channel. I love it. And it worked. <laughs> so how long did it take? Nine days. That's it? Nine days. How appropriate. I mean, number nine, (laughs) number nine, nine. (laughs) (laughs) And so the funny thing, too, is when the Beatles channel started five years ago, yes, it is the fifth anniversary. um, (laughs) I will never forget just tweeting like, oh, my God, I want to be on the Beatles channel so bad. Oh, man, are you guys hiring? And the worst mistake that could have ever been made was that the program director, his name is Adam, I guess I had tweeted about the Beatles channel and he liked my tweet. And of course I click, I'm like, who's this Adam guy? So I click on his profile and it says program director of the Beatles channel on Sirius XM. And I was like, Oh dude, you have just made the biggest mistake of your life. Identifying (laughs) yourself because I will be pestering you until something happens. And so like monthly, and this is years ago, I would just pester him on Twitter being like, hey, you're going to hire me yet? Hey, (laughs) just sending random, random tweets and, of course, never getting a response. And so it was hysterical. I was sitting at my other day job because at this point in time last year, I was working four jobs just to make ends meet. 
And um, I'm sitting at work and I get a DM over Twitter and it's Adam. And he goes, wow, I really love your uh, passion and enthusiasm. Can we talk this week? And I'm like, yes, we can. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think and, we can make that work. Yes. Yeah, I, I think we can make something happen. So we start chatting and he's like, so um, I'd love for you to come on the Fab Forum and tell your story. And I'd also like for you to make a My Fab Four, which if you don't have Sirius XM, My Fab Four is a little uh, segment that we do on the Beatles channel where you can play guest DJ and pick your four favorite Beatles songs and tell people why you love them. And so he kind of gave the hint that, Caitlin, this can't just be any ordinary Fab Four. This is kind of like your audition. Mm. He was like, stick with me. We're going to make something happen. And I was just like totally and completely blown away. You know, I didn't think that any like I would get a job offer, but, you know, at least that soon, because this whole thing started back in September. I got contacted to do the Fab Four, my Fab Four and the Beyond the Fab Forum around October. And then it was the day before Thanksgiving break. I get a text message from Adam after my Fab Four and the Fab Forum stuff had already aired. And he goes, Hey, uh, are you busy? Do you mind hopping on a Zoom call with me, Lou Simon, who is the vice president of SiriusXM, and uh, Jeff Jones from Apple? Oh, my God. Just casual. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and I was just like, um, OK, yeah, like I'll be right there. So uh, I hop on on Zoom. And of course, Jeff Jones is the first person who's in the Zoom chat room. And so ah. I hop on and hi, I'm Jeff just like, Jones. yeah, it's like, hi, Jeff Jones. And like the best part is, of course, you know, where my desk and stuff is set up is in my office with all my Beatles stuff. And I'm like, Jeff Jones sees my room. Ah. <laughs> like he sees all my records and pictures in the back. <laughs> like I'm <laughs> hyperventilating. Amazing. And um, so, of course, uh, Adam and Lou join the chat. And I'm like, oh, my God, something big is going to happen. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily going to offer me a job, but something's going down. And um, they did. They offered me a job. Oh, my God. Wow. Was it immediately an hour, five days a week? Or how did you work that out? No, it, it was their offer. Um, it's like, Caitlin, we're going to give you a show every day for an hour. And then Jeff Jones said these words to me. He said, Caitlin... Welcome to the family. Oh, my God. And I burst into tears. I I wish that Zoom call had been video recorded because I wish I could have just had that for myself just to have that moment saved. It's still surreal. Like, I have to pinch myself. And it's like because Apple is very, very, very much involved with what goes on over the air on the Beatles channel. There are a lot of other artists represented on their own individual stations that, you know, no, I don't want to say don't care as much, but, you know, they're just like, all right, just let the radio people handle it. No, the people at Apple are incredibly involved at what goes on and what comes over the air. I heard a story that we'll just call this person uh, Schmingo Schmar. Oh, sounds sounds like a total stranger. Don't know yeah. who that could be. <laughs> uh, was listening to the channel and heard 
a certain version of a song that Schmingo Schmar didn't like. So oh, Schmingo Schmar <laughs> immediately calls Big Boss Man and is like, you better get that off there. And it's like, so though, you know, Ringo, Paul, uh, Jeff, Jennifer, like all the people from Apple are extremely involved with what goes on in the day to day at the Beatles channel. That's amazing. And to your credit, this was such a whirlwind from YouTube to TikTok to Sirius to this amazing job offer to being in the family, which is like sounding very like mafia, like, and right? I love it. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> in a very good way. <laughs> but like, you know, I just hanging out in quote unquote, the industry. And yes, guys, I sound like a huge douchebag, but like just hanging out with like some, you know, rando people and also people within the Beatles community at large. It's like people were talking about you big time, you know, and <sighs> you really did make a splash and a huge impression. And I was just really excited. because I'm like, that's my friend. Like, I know her. And she is. She's doing it. It's so awesome. So like, there's really nobody, nobody who deserves it more than you. And, oh, you. you know, you're exactly what the Beatles channel needed and still need, you know, this breath of fresh air, this female voice, a younger perspective, everything is sort of encapsulated in your show. Yeah. And your whole story, just getting there by social media, you approach them, you're making your own destiny. All of these things are just so refreshing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely has been a whirlwind. And I, I can know I keep saying this, but it doesn't feel real because it's me doing my thing, talking about the Beatles like I've been doing my entire life. And I don't pretend to be you know, a Beatles expert. I, I don't do that by any means. It's literally just me being silly, goofy, bratty me talking about the band that I love. Which is why it's so refreshing. I mean, personally, I don't want to hear somebody pontificating to me about what they think is the correct story behind a Beatles song. I don't want to hear it. And, you know, having somebody who <laughs> feels like somebody who's like me listening along with me. I think that's really fun. And that's a level of connection that, you know, personally, I didn't feel with other Beatles channel artists before. Tell us a little bit about your show format. How do you structure five hours a week? Basically, radio secret. Um, I get given the log of songs from my boss. And of course, I, I have a say in what goes into it, too. But he's, you know, he's the big boss. You know, he makes the final decisions. And so he basically gives me kind of like a map of what is going to be there for the day. And so I go, OK, so I've got that song here. I can put this song here and I can talk about that topic. For instance, you know, Paul just being here in Orlando, I can talk about his tour and how many days he has left. But Ringo's also starting a tour or Patty Boyd's new book is coming out. Like, you know, there's so many things that are going on in Beatles world that it's pretty easy to come up with things to talk about. But then there are days where I'm just like, oh, my God, what am I going to talk about this week? And I have like a full blown panic attack. That's usually what happens on Sunday before I do my show on Monday. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. I've got nothing. And then once I sit down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to work. And it just kind of happens naturally. I, I can't really describe it. I think the thing about the Beatles that's really unique is that there's an infinite amount of topics. Like 
you could get really down in the trenches with the minutiae. But also it makes it harder to really structure what you're going to talk about because it's like, how in the weeds do I get? Do you ever go through that when you're trying to plan your show? Like, oh, can I talk about this really niche thing or should I make it more appealing to your average Sirius XM listener? No, I basically am just me. I talk about the things that I find interesting as selfish as that sounds, because like I said before, I'm no expert. I'm not an author. The problem I had when I was making YouTube videos and I would do like album reviews and stuff like they would all suck because I was like, I like this song because it's good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's just how how my I'm I'm not one with words like you guys are, which is so funny that I talk for a living, but I just talk about things that are relatable, like, oh, that bass line was so good, or, oh, I love that harmony at the end, or that's one of my favorite guitar solos ever, you know, and I know that somebody that's out there listening probably appreciates those things, too. And if they don't, that's too damn bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's kind of something we want to talk to you about, because as you're telling the story, I'm thinking about the things that we've said on the show. And and we kind of share your thing of like, we aren't interested in a certain part of the Beatles or whatever. It's like, we're not going to talk about it. If it's boring, if, you know, we're just not invested, whatever. And historically, Erica and I have gotten some blowback on our reviews or online about the fact that we're women, the fact that we talk Mm -hmm. about the Beatles, the fact that, I don't know, my voice is annoying. I don't know, whatever it is. (laughs) But, you know, I think that is sort of like... I hate to say it, but kind of a universal experience as a Beatles Unfortunately, yeah, woman it is. Mm-hmm. these days. Yeah, let's talk about the trolls, especially <laughs> the male ones. It is the trolls. I, <laughs> I, I think that that's, that's one of the issues that everybody that I know who's, who's you know, a woman or woman identifying and is in this community has faced in some way or other in that there is a section of the male population of this community who is very much against hearing women in this space. I'm sure that you have dealt with some of that on I am oh, sure a much yeah, just on a much larger scale than just a yeah. smidge. How does that show up in your life and how do you deal with it? As of recently, it hasn't happened too often. It has happened I've gotten so far and and yes, I keep count because to me it's just funny. I've gotten one hate email and two mean tweets. (laughs) And that's just being on the radio um, on XM anyway, for the last uh, five months. But when I was doing YouTube more, oh my goodness, people are mean. YouTube is a fucking cesspool. It really is. Just people are just so mean. And look, I'm not the first person who has talked shit, you know, talked shit about somebody like, oh, you know, that's, you know, stupid or like, oh, my God, what is so and so wearing, you know, but you keep those opinions to yourself. I'm not going to take the time to write an essay on why so and so is annoying and doesn't deserve to be doing what they're doing. I had a troll on YouTube literally make a 30 minute video about me. Oh, I forgot about that. 
Oh yeah, That's that guy. Is that the guy with the mask? That yes. really weird dude. Oh my yes. god! I literally had a guy make a thirty-minute video about you, me. Kayvon. Yeah, he was, <laughs> and I he probably still is. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't watch his videos or anything. Um, you know, it was people telling me that this guy was saying things about me. Yeah, screw that guy. Um, I don't know. To me, it's just funny. Angela will come up to me and she's like, I don't know how you do that. Like, if that was me, I would be hysterical crying. And I'm just like, I can't put it in my brain how somebody can literally take that much time to focus on, you know, oh, she's fat and overweight. Oh, she has a really annoying voice. Oh, you know, she's too perky and happy. Um to bring it to the internet's attention like don't you have anything better to do obviously they don't but like that's the thing that makes it humorous to me so no the the trolls and the haters they don't bother me but i guess this is only the beginning sad face like <laughs> confused face <laughs> like you know it's only been a few months um but I've been getting more positive feedback than negative feedback. So suck it. <laughs> I mean, to turn one of your trolls comments into a positive, I know that you recently in one of the tweets, uh, it was suggested that you sound like you are hosting a slumber party. And to be honest, shout out to that troll, because that sounds fucking awesome. We should definitely do a Beatles <laughs> slumber party and record it. That's why I like to listen to you. And I want to have you over exactly. to my house to do yeah. a live slumber party broadcast. Oh my god, can we so. plan one like for serious though? No, for real. Oh my god, like, yes. this for real. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We'll play Beatles Dream Day. Just really piss off all the men on the internet. <laughs> we'll talk about, yeah. We can put Beatles movies on in the background. It'll be great. Yes. Oh my god, big posters, pajamas. I love it. Aww, yeah, because girls weren't doing that in the '60s. Come on, like that—that's uh, another thing that just sets me off is that that was the target audience was women. That's who was buying their records. Like, uh, okay. I could rant about that all day. And as well, you should, but to credit our, our friend, Rob Sheffield, like I think he was the first one who really brought it to light in my mind. It's like teen girls are the tastemakers. You know, they think the cool things are cool before the mainstream public does. So it's like, we have a lot to credit those girls for in the first generation. And the fact that, you know, we're women and we're trying to keep that going and we love the Beatles, we respect the Beatles, we know the Beatles, but we can also like fangirl about them for sure. Like, come on, like that's the fun part of this whole thing. The problems, according to these trolls, seems to come in when women start speaking and are more than just, you know, passive admirers having our private slumber parties is when we take our slumber parties to the airwaves or to video format and we actually talk and, whoa, intelligent things come out of our mouths. And it just seems to be so upsetting to these people. I don't understand. Yeah, I honestly don't get it. And from when I was doing stuff on YouTube and TikTok to, to start, it was mostly through memorabilia and talking about things like that and um and people are failed to make the connection that i also was a beatles memorabilia tour guide for hard rock international for nine years like i know what i'm talking about <laughs> also sounds like an amazing job by the way it was fun it was it was a fun time <laughs> what does the beatles community mean to you it's family i feel complete when I'm around my Beatle family. Because it just 
fills me with that same magic that I had when I was a kid with mom and dad in the front seat, my brother in the back with me, listening to the mixtapes that my dad would make. It's family. Oh, that's so sweet. I've likened it to the Island of Misfit Toys, where it's like to the regular population, to gen pop out there, like the fact that, you know, because of who we are, our age, all of that kind of thing, it's weird that we love this band that broke up before we were even born. But yeah, with the Beatles community, especially like people like us, you know, it's like, ah, we found our other weirdos, like we could be ourselves and they understand. Exactly, because being a Beatle kid in the 90s was so hard. Oh, God, it was awful. It sucked. Like, you were the only one. You listen to old people music? Like, oh, you're so weird. Or the classic. (laughs) The classic that my school loved to trot out at me, Aren't They All Dead? That's a a gem. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to a bunch of dead guys. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, yeah, monkeys and Beatles for me, it was like, aren't they dead? Constantly. It's like, and keep in mind, this was like, I became a Beatles fan in the year 2000. So they weren't even that old. (laughs) Come on. Well, that's your chance to become totally insufferable. Well, actually, Paul and Ringo are still on tour. Yeah. And are still on tour in 2022. So literally on tour. Which was one of my favorite things, Caitlin, recently in your social media was just seeing you at the Paul concert and seeing you taking pictures with our other Beatle friends in person who oh were my there God, too. Everybody was it's at so that show. Awesome. Yeah, oh. no, everybody flew into Orlando. It was insane. Like I lived, uh, I live about 10, 15 minutes from the arena where Paul was at. And there are people from Chicago. Here are people from South Carolina, like people from Maryland. It was insane. I guess that's the one perk about living in a tourist destination is that people like want to come here. And so I'm sure you guys know when you see Paul, he's like, oh, how many people are actually from Orlando? And I was like the only person in my section that was cheering. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, woo! Oh, okay, just me. (laughs) I loved seeing the photo of you with our good friend, Sarah Schmid. I was like, oh my God, like all the cool people are together. It was funny because the first thing when she spotted me and I spotted her, she was like, Caitlin, I'll come to your sleepover. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to have the most epic sleepover ever. It'd be awesome. So how do you see this community changing as we become more and more a community of next gen fans? I can only see it getting bigger and better. Like, oh my God, these Gen Z kids? Yeah. They're insane. Yeah. Talking about TikTok, it's like I'm obsessed with like some of the the younger content. And shout out to Skylar and Layla on TikTok. And we've been talking on Twitter and they have a new podcast, which is really exciting. But they kill it with their like Beatles modern AU stuff. They're so clever. So funny. I I am not that clever and I'm so jealous. Like, I wish my brain worked like that. Tell me about (laughs) it. I love what these Gen Z kids are. I can't believe I'm calling them kids. It makes me feel really old. Um, I love what they're doing and I have a really good feeling about where the community is going to go from here. It It can only go up to the toppermost of the poppermost. Totally true. It's really refreshing to see the creativity. It's amazing, actually. I can't imagine that in the 80s or 90s, people would have thought that the Beatles community would be this strong and growing in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, no way. I never thought in a million years that 
I would find friends that share this love and passion that I do for, like you said, a group that broke up before we were ever even born. It's amazing. And that's why, once again, I I said it is family because that's the feeling that I get when I'm talking with you guys and other Beatle people, too. Where can we and all the other Beatle people listening hear and follow you, Caitlin? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Caitlin Larkin, or you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Caitlin Larkin 089. If you have emails that you want to send, you have requests or questions or anything, you can reach me at BeetleKate, C-A-I-T, at SiriusXM.com. You're on every weekday at noon for an hour, is that right? Yes, Monday through Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We are so happy to have you back on and you are welcome back at any time. Literally any time. I will gladly just be the third member of Because the Beatles, like I've been saying for the last three years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're very good at getting what you want. So (laughs) this is true. I weasel my way into some of the best situations of my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great skill to have. I have a feeling we'll be hearing you again and again here. Yay! Thanks again to Caitlin for that wonderful interview. And as always, we are back at the end of every show with our obsession of the moment. Allison, what are you obsessed with this week? Okay, so this is kind of a random, but I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, a few weeks ago, I had a uh, breakfast with a friend of a friend's dad who is from Liverpool. Uh, he grew up in Anfield, which is strangely the first place I stayed uh, when I went to Liverpool for the first time in 2008, um, right across from the football stadium there in uh, a house which belonged to Brian Epstein's grandparents. And it was amazing, of course. Yeah, it was great. And I think you can still stay there. If you Google, I believe it's like Epstein House, uh, Liverpool, you'll be able to find it. But he and I were chatting. And of course, he's of a certain age. And I was like, um, okay, so do you know a Beatle? <laughs> Did you meet the Beatles? Did you see the Beatles? Uh, what's your association with the Beatles? So he was very kind and indulged me. He knew that I was a huge Beatles fan. They had told him. But he was very kind and indulged me and said, you know, he did go to the cavern and he saw he didn't see the Beatles. Uh, He went sort of after the Beatles were there, but he did see like the Mersey Beats and the Searchers and all these other amazing Mersey Beat bands. He saw Jerry and the Pacemakers, like who I love too. He saw the Foremost and the Big Three and all of these wonderful bands that if you're not familiar with them, please, please dig into the Mersey beat scene. They're all so phenomenal. A lot of them did make it big by the time that he was sort of going to the the clubs regularly. There was about 67 or so, which, you know, at that point, Liverpool had been picked out of their good bands. Everybody wanted to cash in on the Beatles' success. So they all went down to London and became famous if they were great. <laughs> but, you know, he, he told me about a couple bands I did not know, namely the Denisons, which... I think I had heard, but not really gotten very versed in. And the Hillsiders, which were uh, a little bit of a latter era Liverpool country band. Oh. Um, yeah. And so, and then I, in turn, told him about a documentary, which I would recommend to everybody here if you've not seen Some Other Guys, which is about a lot of those bands that came up with the Beatles that did not make it huge, which I think like the big three is one of the ones that got 
really featured in that. And side note, I mean, the big three were a huge Liverpool band and it's kind of crazy that the Beatles were sort of upstarts and overshadowed them so quickly. And they really could have been huge. It's, they have a great story. So please check that out if you haven't already, but yeah, I've just been sort of diving back into the Mersey beat after talking to him, just listening to my Mersey beat playlists and thanking my lucky stars. I got to see Jerry in Liverpool right before he died, um, you know, perform. I'd never seen him before. And, and that was amazing. Yeah. So that has been my little obsession. Been listening to a lot of great tunes, not made by the Beatles, but they come from our Scouser friends. Did he have any observations about bands that he loved or like anything that stood out to you when you talked to him? No, but he, you know, he talked a lot about, you know, the the cavern itself and was sort of, you know, he mentioned Bob Wooler and all of these crazy things. And oh my God, I left out the best part. He said, he talked to me about when he would go to NEMS and oh I was God. just like, stop it. <laughs> Shut oh your God. mouth. I can't imagine. I was, you know, and I... I don't think he ever saw Brian in there, but he talked about, you know, NEMS was famous for their little listening booths where you could go in and listen to mm-hmm. records before you bought them. And he talked about doing that. And I'm just like, oh, what I would give, you know, to walk down Matthew Street to Whitechapel there and go to NEMS. And this guy actually did it. And then, yeah, he would talk about the cavern and how, you know, the legendary stuff that we all know, that it was very small and crowded and damp and dark. But it was amazing. You know, it was... you see people on documentaries talk about you know what it was like to actually be there but like to just be sitting next to this guy at brunch like hearing him talk about it i'm like oh my god <laughs> like that's so cool that you actually got to like you know experience those places in real life yeah i mean if he ever wants to spend a little time on a microphone i would love to hear that was my thought perhaps i'll work on that i did say next time in liverpool we're gonna get together and get like some lunch or something. So maybe I'll just uh, sneaky sneak my snowball microphone with me. You definitely have to. And yeah, absolutely. Also want to mention that we were talking about the documentary, The Complete Beatles with Caitlin just a little while ago. And that's where I found out about Jerry and the Pacemakers because Jerry Marsden was a major interviewee in that documentary. That's right. Yeah. Back then he had like a Big, big head of curly hair. He was really cute. (laughs) Jerry is, oh my God, Jerry's so dear, honestly. He was like married to the same woman his whole life. Like he was just such a little like cherub of a guy. I never got to meet him. I'm very sad. uh, But like, I'm just really grateful I got to see him perform one time. He was supposed to perform in 2014 on this great British Invasion tour, but he had some health complications and couldn't make it, which is such a bummer. I would have loved to seen him on that tour here in the U.S., but, you know, to see him perform like I did at the the Philharmonic Hall in Liverpool on a bill with, like, the Merseys, which formerly the Mersey Beats and... Gosh, who else was on that show? Um, Mike Pender, who is also a lovely, lovely guy uh, from The Searchers on that show. But Jerry, like, totally brought the house down with You'll Never Walk Alone. And, of course, all the football fans stood up. And I took a video of it. It was amazing. But, Erica, I want to hear enough about my bullshit. Yours is way more important. Tell me about your obsession. 
you actually introduced me to this rabbit hole that I can't stop going down this week. You're um, welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So turns out that Paul and Nancy were in the Hamptons last week, and there were a bunch of photos that showed up of them with their dog, their rescue dog, Rose, at a dog rescue place called Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons, which is ARF of the Hamptons. And Appropriate. Yes, ARF. They are a dog and cat adoption place, and they are actually the dog and cat adoption place where my parents adopted their sweet dog, Jack, from about 10 years ago. And there were a bunch of pictures with Paul and Nancy and their dog, Rose, meeting another dog. This dog was this really cute, like, black and brown kind of medium size, maybe some shepherd in her big pointy ears, Mm -hmm. really cute. And at first I was like, oh, they're like, they met somebody's dog on the walk. But no, apparently this dog was up for adoption. And the photos that they took very clearly show Paul and Nancy introducing their rescue dog, Rose, to this new dog. And the plot thickens on the Art Hamptons <laughs> Instagram. A picture of this dog, who we now know is named Snuffy, this cute little dog. <laughs> well, that's our at- guess. That's our best guess, anyway. <laughs> no, she was. I mean, if, if they're okay. if they're going left to right, as you should when you're scrolling, the yes. leftmost picture would be Sunny. Then we have Harlem, and then the third picture is Snuffy. And so Snuffy, <laughs> this cute little dog, they announced that she was adopted this weekend. Now, they don't see by who. Some of the other photos of adoption show their new owners with these dogs. We don't see any of the owners. They don't say who adopted. But I have been trying so hard to find out if Paul and Nancy adopted this new dog. So a dog for Rose, a dog sister for Rose Aww. named Snuffy. I need to know. I need to know immediately. I need I need Paul to announce his new family member on his Instagram. And I swear to God, if Paul McCartney ever comes on this show to be interviewed, he will get questions that he has never gotten before. Because all I'm going to do <laughs> is ask him about his dogs. Like all of his dogs, like historical dogs. Like I want to know about Lucky the Dalmatian, Uh, obviously Martha. Uh, I want to know about his cats. I want to know about the kitten on the wedding day. I want to know (laughs) about all this shit. And we need to know about Snuffy. If, If Snuffy is now Snuffy McCartney, we need to know. I've been searching every possible combination I can find that might give me more photos. Obviously, like the Daily Mail and a bunch of trash newspapers have written articles off of the photos getting everything wrong. I'm like, none of this is right. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, all they were talking about what is what they were wearing anyway, but whatever. Cares. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. Unless we're talking about what the dog was wearing, which in this case, Snuffy was wearing a pink harness. Well, the same pink harness as the supposed Snuffy in the Instagram photos, too. So exactly. that was also a clue. Yes. This is definitely the same dog that, that Rose was <laughs> sniffing around. And I want to know, did Rose approve? In the sequence of photos, too, one telltale thing that this was, at least for me, that this was a um, a dog meet and greet is you see the, the leash on, quote unquote, Snuffy 
passed from the woman there who looks like, you know, she's a dog rescuer. Uh, it gets passed to Paul and Paul is holding it. So it's like, yes. okay, okay, what's happening here? Paul's holding the new dog while Nancy is holding Rose and the two dogs are Rose's leash and the two dogs are sniffing around each other. So, yes. Yes. It just seems like an adoption situation. You don't bring your dog to an adoption event unless there's a reason. We need a photo of Paul walking away with the do- with the new dog and they're all like walking together and then it's like, "Oh, adoption complete." Yes, exactly. Please announce your new family member. I've been thinking about this a lot this week too, Erica. This is pretty much my obsession. <laughs> so our text <laughs> chain was off hook about the dog situation. My whole thing I was urging you to do is call the call ARF, but they probably won't tell us anything. So Yeah. If if you are affiliated with ARF and you know anybody there Yay. or you volunteer there and you know anything about this, please at us. We we will keep it anonymous. It's an anonymous tip line. Our Instagram. <laughs> We need an anonymous tip line. Yes, our Instagram <laughs> DMs are an anonymous tip line always. We will not expose your name. We're very good at keeping secrets, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Paul has had a really long affiliation with ARF, actually. As recently as 2017, he was part of a silent auction that raised funds for the organization where the prize was like a pair of top seats with a meet and greet and dinner backstage with Paul for his uh, uh, September concert at MSG. Okay. So um, why didn't we fucking do that? I did not know about this. I did not know this was a thing. If I had known it was a thing, I mean, I probably would have looked at the website, saw that people were paying thousands and thousands of dollars and then been sad. But, you know, Paul never does like meet and greets are not his thing. No. You know, you can get the hot sound package and you can go to a sound check where you're like way behind the mix table, like back, but you don't meet Paul. Like that's a special yeah. thing. Good long history with Arf. He, I hope has gotten at this point, two dogs from them. As far as we know, well, as far as we think we know, two dogs. Yeah. But again, Paul, we have questions. We don't hear you answering these questions anywhere else. We need to know. Literally, Paul, if you come on, we could probably forego questions about like your various bands, your music. We don't really care, but we would like to talk to you about your pets. Yeah, fuck that. Let's talk about dogs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, on that note, thanks for listening to BC the Beatles. I hope you like dogs. You better. As always, subscribe at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now and give us a rating and review so other Beatlemaniacs can find us. And please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting photos, including photos of Paul and this dog and Rose. Yes. Uh, and more, yes, and more from this episode and beyond. Remember, you can always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com too. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.